0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, sponsored by Sound Ring. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Texture. Remember hearing us talk about Next Issue? Well, they've changed their name to Texture, and they've added all kinds of brand new features. To get your all-access pass to the world's most popular magazines, visit Texture.com forward slash badchristian and sign up for your free trial today. Today's show is also sponsored by
1: Prosper. Prosper is the better way to get all the cash that you need at a low interest rate. You can use Prosper to pay you can use Prosper to pay off your high interest credit cards, fix up your home, or even take a vacation. To check your low rate instantly without affecting your good credit score, head over to prosper.com slash bad Christian. You are now entering
0: the Bad Christian Podcast.
1: How's it going, halfwits? This is Matt. Uh, I'm not going to waste too much of your time today on this intro because we got a long episode. we got a really good interview with Justin Wren, who is an MMA fighter. So uh, I'm in Nashville today. Emory is playing. Uh, come out and see us. We're going to be in Columbus tomorrow and in Indianapolis the next day, and th- that'll be the end of that. The only other thing I want to remind you about is that Stephen Christian and Shane Toll Uh, from Silverstein and Amberlynn, have their podcasts, new podcasts that are out. Uh, Shane's is Lead Singer Syndrome, and Stevens is called The Art Collective. You can find them on iTunes today. Both of them have episode one up. Stephen has our old friend John Mark McMillan on there. So please, go listen to those today. Subscribe to those today. And I tell you what, for them and as well as us, leave a review on iTunes. It's one of the best things you can do to support a podcaster. Leave the stars. Write a little note. It helps them be in the charts. It helps more people find it. It's free, and it's awesome. So feel free to do that. Thank you, guys. All right, let me get right to this episode.
0: Three, two, one, whenever you're ready, Joey. I'm ready
2: because I've got the juice. Take it away, then. (laughs) Here's a little story I got to To tell tell about three bad brothers you You know know so well. well. It's T-Rail, Matt C., and J-M-S. We're running this show I bet you didn't guess where the BCP
0: where the BCP <laughs> <Bad> Christian podcast <laughs> Now, I will say uh that Joy's mic sound a little hot. Yeah, know. well, it just is what it is. Okay. Well, I
2: I have it exactly how you wanted it yep. a second ago. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Is, it, is it is it reading well thing.
0: in your meter and stuff? Is your meter hitting red or anything? Uh no. Well, well, folks, this is—we're letting you in here a little bit. Matt and I are on the road. That's right. We're living the uh, dream—the music dream. It's—it's. ruined our marriages and our family lives but we believe <laughs> that playing music is our calling yeah that's right <laughs> so i mean you know it's basically crushing everything else but the thing about being on the road it. is that yeah the, the thing about being on the road
1: is we sometimes are insulated and isolated from other things that are going on because when you're on the road you have a tour manager and a tour manager is basically like a babysitter and stuff like that so toby yep. i found out something today that my upsets you just a little bit oh god no, what Matt, it? I'm here too, buddy. Matt, upset. I'm here. Well, you, you probably, I'm assuming, already know this, but um, apparently our tour manager, in order to keep you from losing your mind, right? All every time you get Starbucks every morning, yeah, he's been he's been actually drawing on all the Merry Christmas stuff on that for you. What? Hey, well, hold on, Star, hold on. Starbucks actually took that off of the cups, but uh, Bund has been actually drawing Bunda. it on for you for the Bunda. whole tour. What the hell
0: is Matt talking about? D- Bun,
1: to tell him you've been writing Merry Bunda, Christmas on his cups.
0: You will answer me or you will be fired. Open your mouth oh, shit. and tell me oh, if yeah. you've been writing shit. Merry Christmas on my so, damn oh, cup. He has Lord been. I, pray right I called now. him what this morning. What kind of sick the fuck would do now? that?
1: I uh, I found out this morning. I got up early and I went. I came up in the lounge and I saw him doing. I asked him what he's doing, and he he said nothing, nothing, nothing at all. And then I found out this is Starbucks making me crazy. He's not on, wait, wait. doing the Merry Christmas anymore.
0: You got to be kidding! No, me. No, it's it's true. You tell me one of the most long, the longest Christian companies in American history mm-hmm. is now not putting Merry Christmas. That's right on the cup. That's true. The iconic cup. That's right. The, it's the, I don't who gives a shit about the coffee. I know. I love the cup. I know. That's the only reason you get it because you don't even like the coffee that much. <laughs> and you're telling me yeah. they and Bunda has been riding right. Merry
1: Christmas. Yeah. That's what tour managers do though. So I kind of gave him credit. I'm I mean done. He, he knows the
0: tour is gonna fall apart now. I am done. I'm sick. I'm disgusted. I tell you, if we don't get Trump in the White House, this, is this, it's not my america anymore I, I don't know whose america it is It's certainly i don't have a piece here i don't have anything that i own here it's insane it's making me mad it's pissing me off what next you gonna call them hey trees trees no, in your house
1: no but also i did find out there's at least there's one warrior left it's this is i think his name's fred durst and he made a video that's gonna i think it's gonna help so oh, it's gonna be okay
0: i gotta watch that well, I, I love tell fred you what, durst one of America's treasures. Hey, He is
2: awesome. I'm calling all Christians to spread the love of Jesus and go into Starbucks and piss on the floor.
0: Piss and shit on Starbucks floor. You heard it from Pastor Joey right here. Yes. If you are a Christian walk into Starbucks and piss and shit on the floor, or you're not the kind of Christian I want to be a part of. That's not my kind of Christianity. I want to see big turds next time I go and bundle. How you you (laughs) like these
1: ornaments? Yeah, how you like this? Here's your Merry Christmas. Here's my Christmas loaf for you. <laughs> yeah, but but seriously, the it is I, crazy it, though.
2: Y'all y'all made a good y'all made a good point earlier though that it's just nuts that that has to represent all of us. You
1: well, know what I'm saying, I, I mean, it's to tell just, you the truth, it, I have a totally different opinion about it. And that's that, uh, obviously there's not even a real thing. I don't I don't actually think that represents anybody. Of course, you yeah. Know, I think the thing
0: that's funny is everybody. Some weirdo dude says this, this Fire, Firestein, Furstein guy, or whatever, and nobody even cares. It's not at real. All. It's I, just, I mean, it's not even real for him. I mean, no, he, does, he doesn't it's care. It's not like, real at all. Nobody, actually, beli- nobody he, even agrees with him. He's going to continue to give them yeah. his business. Like, if you didn't want, if you were really no. upset about it, that's even okay. We live in an awesome country where you can do that. Just don't go to Starbucks. Sure. Go wherever. Well,
1: at, I'm, I mean, the notable thing is that people like to, you know, scapegoat that guy or whatever, right. but he's doing it on purpose and there's not, he doesn't actually even represent anybody. Right. But everybody thinks he does or wants him to because they want to have the vitriol or I whatever. I have family but.
0: members though that for sure won't like shop in places if they don't yeah. say Merry Christmas. Yeah, if they there's say some Happy of that. I'm sure that exists. No, that's what I'm but. saying. So there are people that do that. But what I'm saying is that is a extremely strange minority that nobody nah. even Christians right. don't it's care. Not a big nobody deal. is upset about that. that. That, in fact, I almost think it had the ap- opposite effect where people go, "Yeah, we're being a little too out buying in this outrageous culture too much." That's what I saw the most. I kind of liked it. Like everybody's like, yeah, we don't need to be outrageous about things cuz that's what's sure. getting crazy. Well, I
1: mean, he's just a capitalist, you oh, know, in totally. a character more power and stuff. To him. So, yeah, I mean, that's all. It's he's not like real like It's not really even a real thing, but you know, and the thing the thing about it that makes the most sense to me is that uh is that when you see that video, you get the taste of it. That everybody finally can put a name on it. oh, that's being false, that's being disingenuous. Yeah, that's about yeah. that's not actually a real person having a real point of view because you know you're used to seeing Ann Coulter and Bill O'Reilly right. people, right. and you're like, yeah, I guess there's something, but it's on TV with all this production, all this stuff. But now we have the proliferation of of con- of uh, communication like podcasting or stuff like this, and it continues to my delight to shed light on how silly those false kinds of communications are. It's disingenuous, not even a real person saying a real thing. And that's what I was thinking about earlier. Like you were saying, Toby about, um, and Joey, did you see on our BC club Facebook group, how people started putting videos up there? Did you see that? Yeah. I think that is so cool. And if you're not in the BC club, you don't know, you can join, you can find out. We got a Facebook group, but that, Facebook group bothers me very often because the comments can be <laughs> terrible. They really can. It is. It like is they, they really can. However, there's a really a glimmer out there of, of what I'd say is hope and exciting stuff, and that is people on there started just putting up videos of themselves. So there's people who you go, oh, that's the girl that is this way, and that's the guy that always says this obnoxious thing. That's all I know them as right? because that's all, that's all I ever see them as, and now they're actually people because they put up videos. So I'm thinking, really, that should be like the the thing of the Internet is you should have to say your comment into a microphone and video and then maybe have it transcribed by a dictation app. And if somebody wanted to see you, you would have to literally be responsible for saying your comment. And then people can look at you in the eye and go, oh. Well, she's being disingenuous and just saying rhetoric that she learned somewhere, and, and it's some false thing. Right. That she didn't even, or or you could hear the person say the comment, they left a mean comment, or and just go, oh, they're just kind of ignorant, they didn't really understand this, or yeah. actually, I see he's coming from a genuine place, so maybe I will pay attention. Like maybe that could be the future of our commenting on the internet is, is it had to be attached to audio and video or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah. I, I'm just really happy that the, I mean, that's a neat thing that the group is doing. You're really putting faces and personality
0: behind these people that are in our Facebook group. I love it. We're, we're coming in. Good at, we're, job, we're, everybody. We're, we're creating yeah. right now a real new way of social media. It's yeah. awesome. How about this too? I had this idea too. When we were talking about it, I was like, this is really cool because the truth is if you say, if you write something down, you don't hear it or really see it. But like, even on this podcast, when I've heard myself say certain things, I was like, oh, I don't, I wish I wouldn't have said that or. Yeah. Man, that's not what I meant to say. I've even we've even deleted some stuff where I was like, "Yeah, I just I hate that I said that. That's not what I meant, or I wish I wouldn't have said it." And uh, I think that's a r- really cool idea, though. If you could, uh, we should we're going to create a social media where it's all about you have to do video, right? And you can kind of see it. You have to own it. Yeah, I mean, you attach a person to the words.
2: Here's what's funny though, is Toby, I, you've also gone. Through a couple weeks where you've regretted not saying something to a guest, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that's why it's so hard yeah. because you d- you don't want the interview to be over and you come away being like, "Gosh, I should have said something." But
1: yeah, definitely, if
2: you if you let yourself loose, and you're going to end up saying something stupid. People just don't get how hard that is. Hey, this Starbucks thing, I have to admit to you guys that I am so out of touch with current events, and I all I have been for like the last three years, thirty years, yeah, and. Yeah, and I know I knew there was something going on with Christianity and <laughs> Starbucks, awesome. and I had no idea what it was <laughs> like. When you guys started talking about it, I started googling because I knew one of y'all would say, "Hey, Joey, what do you think about this?" I
1: had no idea. No, nah, we're not really weighing in on the controversy. I, I'm just saying this not a controversy, but the the side point of it being that the the attaching a person to their comments is is very. Interesting. Very good. Very good thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, hang on. Before we get going too far, I do got to do a little sponsor spot. And I'll take this shameless opportunity to point out, if you join the BC Club, this is ad-free. You won't even hear this. But anybody else, please forgive us. We're trying to find the balance for all those things. Uh, What I got to tell you about is texture. You might be like me, and you're constantly seeing... Uh, what I call junk articles and junk news and bad journalism and poorly written clickbait sent your way all the time on the internet. Well, I've got a good solution, or at least something to kind of ca- counterbalance that all that out, and that's Texture. It used to be called Next Issue, but now they've changed their name to Texture, and it's simple. Texture is an app that gives you an all-access pass to the world's best magazines right on your phone or tablet. So, real articles written by career journalists who are putting in the time and effort to to give you enriching, real content. I mean, they have hundreds of magazines, and uh, you can cherry-pick just the articles that you like the most versus, you know, subscribing to one magazine. You can, you, can go, you can access all of them. If you sign up for Texture right now, just in seconds, you'll gain insider access to the very best reads plus exclusive content. content. And I'm telling you, reading's important. It's a way to stay sharp. It's the way to get up on stuff. So it doesn't matter what you're into. Popular mechanics, uh, house and home, uh, real simple, Whatever it might be, Bon Appetit, They've, all the large real magazines that have been around for years as well as new ones are in there. Golf Digest, whatever it is, National Geographic, I can keep on going. But, uh, so you can try it right now for free if you just go to texture.com slash badchristian. So think about that. You'll get unrestricted access to the world's best magazines from back issues to the ones on newsstands today. That's texture.com forward slash badchristian. All right, what do you all want to talk about?
0: Now, going back to us being on the road and stuff like that, some, this is a little bit of insight for you guys out there. And, Joey, I don't even know if you realize this or not, but honestly, sitting in the driver's seat, like like I wake up the earliest in the morning. Like I can't just since having kids and everything, I don't really, no matter what time I go to bed, like I'm up by six or seven. And so I usually yeah. just start driving so we can get to a place. But <clears throat> when you're in the driver's seat, literally it's like the idea seat. It's magical. Oh, yeah. It's magical. Like magic. if you're just driving the big rig down the road, you just have so many ideas. All my best and, uh, ideas ever I listen ever to podcasts, and they give me ideas. And uh, it was kind of interesting today. I was listening to uh, the Science Mike podcast. And maybe this is an old one because I guess he had a motorcycle injury. Yeah. That's old? Or is that recent? It was like a few weeks ago. Whoa. Yep. It's like his brainstem got injured yeah. and stuff. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. But he had Rob Bell sit in on Science Mike and, and answer uh, a lot of questions. I thought it was interesting cuz most of it was like kind of philosophical. There wasn't really I'm assuming my my
1: number like he had my number wrong or something. He must oh, have he had a, a wrong email
0: for me. <laughs> I guess he would have to go to option 2 there. <laughs> he didn't think about science math. Right, I don't get it. But anyways, I'm listening to this podcast and uh it's interesting and I think uh Rob Bell's super smart, but I honestly for me he's definitely on the the love wins. Love is everything. Kind of side, you know. It's beautiful, and the way he's amazed by things and the creation and the planets, and even yeah. science is beautiful and everything. And I was really thinking and through that through, and I was like, I'm not like that. Does that, does that make me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you thought you might be like that. For no, but I just thought, am, am I bad? Like maybe I should see more beauty and and <laughs> and uh, joy and love and everything, and that we're all this beating heart and community. But I don't like I, I. I kind of also enjoy the negative stuff a little bit. Like, that yeah. That kind of is something to me, which always freaks me out when I think about heaven. Like, if if heaven is just perfection, could it get boring? Or, right. or could you not feel anything? Well, and it, wouldn't the Garden of Eden have been that way? And I really had this thought, and I was going to see what you guys were would think about it, and maybe it's just a silly thought and dumb, but in the Garden of Eden, like, the idea of the Garden of Eden, whether you, think, you take it literally or figuratively, like, the idea of perfection, like, this story somebody wrote, Th- uh, that says these two people were walking around with God, and everything was perfect and beautiful and holy, and there was no sin or death or anything bad, right? If you were in that situation, then you would never know what that actually was. You wouldn't actually know love because you wouldn't know anything different. Right. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't actually—that's right. Uh, it, like it, the baby not know comparatively, right. right? For example, a baby in a womb, all they know is this, and uh, um, you know. Uh, fluid and this mom's being heart and stuff. Like, and then when it comes out, it seems scary and crazy on stuff, but there's something different. You finally realize what you did have. Yeah. And so you don't know what you have until it's gone. I guess maybe the right way to say it, but I was really thinking maybe in God's great divinity and, and his, uh, actual love for us too, instead of maybe love only being the good stuff. Like I feel happy. I feel joyous. I'm Comforted, I'm warm, I'm huggy, I'm on a cloud, I'm a baby with wings or whatever it might be. Maybe God's love does allow us to feel some kind of pain so that we actually know what love is. Without that, like maybe that's kind of innate that you would have to, like, two people, all they've ever experienced was love. Maybe they had to go eat that piece of fruit. In order to find out what love was, like that—that that idea doesn't seem when and when in I the, thought about the that co- way. Cosmic, in the
1: long run, cosmically, that I mean, that kind of is right. It had, I mean, from a predestination kind of standpoint, almost it's almost like you know God knew that the greater that the greater restoration of Jesus would even even further value the fall, right? So right. maybe you know, like that's a so a, that, and maybe that's it's like even a you're, better
0: long range that- plan.
2: So you're saying that we couldn't truly experience love for God and each other? If right, they would, they how about this? Yo, I'm saying
0: you wouldn't know anything different. So right. what would that even mean? So in the long really in the long run, the choice
1: would be this: Adam and Eve never sin. Yeah, right. Flat, or Adam and Eve sin, and then after millennia, humanity restored and then some. Right. Which do you choose? Yeah. If you, ta- I mean, in the totally in the. Full scale. Right. Yeah, I know some people died. Some people died in the womb. Some people were abused and killed. Everybody in a, every war of all time, you know, all that stuff happened. But perhaps in the, the longest view, right. that, that's, that that still all works out good and even better because you know the depths
0: and whatever with right. everybody for eternity. Now, I know yep. it gets tricky and people's pushback probably would be, which I even thought too, is like, well, I mean, couldn't God have thought of a different way than us dying or being hurt or murdered or sad or whatever? But the truth is, I still think that's in our relative time. I think if you look in the whole scope of things, those things are small in, in a certain yeah. way. Yeah.
1: But th- that that could lead to bad thoughts in the in the meantime, though. You know, right. like like the fact that some people right. suffer an undue burden from our right. point of view now is is unfathomable. It's not right. And and when people take that long view, sometimes they abuse that possibility. So well, in the end. Kill them all and let God sort them out is the mentality right. that would that would be. But
0: I, it, at the very least, you would have to if you lived in perfection, then you couldn't feel anything else. So the only way the first time you'd actually notice a feeling would be if you did something non-perfect, like but sin. Can
1: a baby in the womb really appreciate its coziness? <laughs> no, it can't. But it sure right. does as soon as it's perfect. Right. Sure,
0: right. So so when it comes out, like I, there are pain. There's pain in this world and sadness and horror. And tragedy that I would never wish on anybody. I don't think that was God's plan ever. In fact, I think maybe in us reaching for something, that all, all the sin that comes to the world's people, we just got worse and worse. You know, if you could uh, pinch somebody, then next time a pinch wasn't enough, you needed to cut the skin a little bit. And the next time you need to do something worse and sure. worse and worse and worse. You know, I think that's our thing. We're always trying to catch that high of. We need to one-up it. You know. Uh, you can have sex in missionary position, but then you need to do it a different way, and a different way, and a different way, and we, until eventually you're out there Well, crazy, that probably explains self-harm, cutting. So that's the other stuff. part of this, is I don't think we can handle it. But we couldn't, without Jesus, that's why we, we do need a Redeemer, because we can't handle that sin. But it's an interesting thought to me that you, if, if everything is perfect and you didn't know anything, then you wouldn't even know how good you had it. And So all God could do is what love you more. It's the same as a kid that gets everything he wants. Sure. He just wants more and more and more. That's
1: interesting.
2: I wanted to say one thing. It, it, Imagine a pizza with all the toppings you could ever want. Go ahead. It's kind of like a cat's whole life. Like a cat lives and dies, never recognizing how good they had it as far as not having any human responsibility, anything to worry about. Like a lot of times we look at a cat and we're like, man, that must be nice. Just to be able to do whatever you want to do. But I think the the bigger thing out of all this, what what you're saying is there's so many things in this world that we don't even identify as being a result of the fall. Like, for example, we're, we're, we're going to argue as Christians whether or not there should be war. Well, the Bible says there's going to be w- wars and rumors of wars until the end times. We're going to have war and that's not God's perfect plan, but it, it has to happen. Like in a world where people sin and do stuff, there has to be war. It's just inevitable. And this is the crazy thought that I had the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact, the word of God, the Bible, is a result of the fall. Like, think about it. There would be no purpose in God's word if there True. was not a redemption story. So that's it's right. just like everything. We don't, we don't know a world outside of a fallen world. Now, Adam and Eve, they're the only human beings that did experience that. So it's, uh, I think there's just so much that we can't wrap our minds around, but I really do like the point Toby's but making.
1: But so that, to, I mean, so essentially you were just like, Rob Bell likes all the good stuff and you just like all the bad stuff. That's, yeah, that's totally fine. That's part the, of the spectrum. The, Toby likes all the bad. And Rob Bell I'll likes really the good stuff. I really am a fan of the six shit. Yeah, the six shit. That
0: makes me get excited for sure. Well, but, but hold on. Last thing I was thinking though, also. The next Emory record, since the, it's the idea seat, is I'm going to write the entire next Emory record from the front seat of the rig. What, the voice rig. memos and yep, stuff? I'm just, yeah, I'm going to come up with ideas, and I'm just going to sing them into my phone. And then we're going to clear out the bus, and we're going to have all the instruments set up. As soon as y'all wake up, we rock out. We could do it. I know. Wouldn't that Wouldn't I mean, be you awesome? You could
1: definitely put a little set up in this front lounge. I know. That'd be it. so
0: cool. You just wake up, and we, we're parked at, you know who knows, side of a mountain. We just don't. We're jammed. not doing gigs. We're just traveling to record, though. Yeah, maybe we'll do that, and we'll let people sit in on the writing process. We'll come to your town. Now they'll mess it up. Yeah, they'll screw it up. You're not. There's allowed, nothing worse folks. than those pesky fans. <laughs> yeah, they're stupid.
1: god dog. Are they bad? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like this. We get to record in
0: peace. Oh, I know. This is amazing. Hey, well, I
2: really do like doing ministry with you guys. This is great. We're doing well, can awesome, we, effective can ministry. We put the ministry. Hey, I even got I even got an email of someone that said that I minister to him because he showed his dad a hanging ball of his a long time ago one of his <laughs> wow. testicles was drooping lower and he said man i can really relate to you i had to show my dad a drooping ball and so you know what wow. we're just hitting people on all uh, all aspects of life man. so somebody we're emailed you life. because
1: you told your story about showing your dad your wiener <laughs> and they want they said they also showed their dad their testicle because it hung too low
2: Yeah, he said, you blessed me, brother. No, he didn't say that. No, I'll tell you
1: what, you can, uh, everybody can rest easy. Testicles often are uneven. No problem there. You're all off the hook. Also, many people's penises are small. You're off the hook as well. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Hey, science, Matt, what happens
2: to sperm for people with vasectomies and they're just closed off? Do they just disintegrate or what? Well,
0: I thought it never mixes together and so it just it dissipates in the body. I don't even know the answer to tell you the truth, but I have no
1: problem admitting
0: right. that. Right, there's sperm man. and then the seminal fluid, right? Yeah. And then, so it just stops the sperm from going to the seminal fluid and then the sperm just die inside the body. Yeah. In the testes, I think, actually. Yeah. So, good job, Toby. But that's also, if they don't die, you end up with elephantitis. Like, have you ever seen old men, they have like, basketballs for balls that happens to most people with vasectomies (laughs) it's pretty insane so Joey yours and my balls are going to be humongous one day because we both had the vasectomy
1: well Joey I do on the side note there I do have a science related a penis related science segment oh I love
2: learning about penises here we go I'm excited
0: astrophysics chemistry
1: cellular biology mathematics gravitation Electromagnetism, evolution, and now it's time for science lessons for Christians. Because when it comes to science, Christians are stupid. All right. So, the topic today is more not one that I feel at all expert in, but in more curious and exploring. One I had not thought about before. Until I just stumbled into it and this and that, and that's the uh the topic of the really horrible practice of male genital mutilation ooh oh man, I know a lot about this so it's a apparently it's a really big problem like and some people know it as you know circumcision, I guess, but essentially it's an amputation, a brutally cruel amputation uh and a despicable form of abuse that damages penis violates human rights and is irrevocably undeniably ruins male sexuality for life so i didn't ever really hadn't thought much about it because i'm some circumcised guy i mean i just now found out about this perpetration oh you my, didn't
0: even know <laughs> did yeah you know, i never even thought about it you did, so i just found that out like that you, this has happened to me is this like uh, you you remembered past trauma right
1: well i read an article <laughs> and then i realized my parents did that to me and i thought pretty bad because i sitting mean
0: in starbucks you read an article and you just started crying wait yeah. a minute i'm a victim
1: so you know you think about it because you're familiar with female genital mutilation right where they you know they cut parts off of females and they do it in some other countries it's not prevalent in the united states obviously and they sometimes right. they sew up the vagina and cut parts off of females and so you know male gen- genital mutilation also you know chopping off parts of baby wieners is i mean that's it, it, it if you think of it in that light it kind of can be crazy so um and I know that's a little bit funny, but you know, biblically, you do have if you think about it objectively, which I never even thought about it. But if you think about it objectively, you, we have it biblically that it's not necessary. Paul says it's fine to not right. be circumcised accounts neither circumcised or not, it's the faith or faith of the heart. I don't know. Not really good with the Bible stuff, but it says something like that, I'm pretty sure. And so uh, <laughs> so we know we know that that it doesn't serve any purpose that way. And then also surely God made I mean, what other part of your body that God made for a purpose would you want to get rid of if you wanted to look at objectively? So as much right. as the hip, the hippie-type movement thing yeah. seemed weird to me, I I, I got real real yeah. questions do you have on to that. cut all
0: of my fingernails off? Like, I don't.
1: Peel them off? I, I, your fingernails
0: have a purpose.
1: They Amen. really do. And I, I assume your foreskin has a well-designed. Man, it had. Had a well-designed, uh, <laughs> you know, design point of view from God and evolutionary purpose. That's why the yeah. foreskin's there. So I do assume there's some purpose for it and so uh you know turns out there's a little bit of debate about the statistics one of them said that in the 60s 70s and 80s is about 81 percent of males were circumcised and now um it's debatable i don't know if it's debatable i had not found definitive information but it's the lowest say uh, it's almost getting close to 50 50 it's in the 50 yeah. percent even though i think it's probably a little bit wow lower. that came from a source that seems to be trying to make more people go that way um and, you know, there's all kind of claims about what it is and what it isn't. And I don't have a son. And I hadn't thought about ever doing it to anybody. I remember right. when, when you had your son circumcised, I remember seeing his penis and thinking it was pretty freaky. Yeah, it's awful. Kind of thing. I was just curious what you guys thought about it. Because, I mean, you are mutilating or chopping off or doing uh, some surgery on a, a newborn baby with, yeah. and without their consent. I mean, if you really think about what that means, that's they don't get a choice. That's a little bit crazy, isn't it?
0: Well, I, okay. So... I was really on the fence, and I was leaning towards not doing it. if jess wouldn't have wanted to do it, uh I think I would have said no, so I was like, "Huh man, what should we do here? because after talking to the doctor, she was like yeah I, she she said that eventually it'll probably go away because it's going to be an elective surgery, yeah like it's not something that's needed, so mm-hmm. people are not going to choose to pay you know fifteen hundred dollars two thousand dollars or whatever it might be, yeah. to have this done and so everybody and oh yeah the would worst it a lot. feeling one of yeah. the worst feelings i've ever had as a parent is. My son is there. He's a week old. Yeah. He's looking at me. It's, you know, my son is just a goofball, funny, chubby. He was a big old kid. And uh, it, the doctor goes, okay. And she takes him to this room. There's silence. And then through the walls I hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, my did that to my son. Yeah. And, and honestly, Jess has never been upset. She thinks it's great. There is something about like you might have to pull the skin back and clean or something like that. I don't know. That's kind of still up in the air. I some think, of that stuff. Yeah, I, I think, think that's, you probably have to do may something. Maybe overblown. But, I mean, as far we still as the have to clean. There, maybe. We, we still do cleaning and stuff right. like that. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of and even with the. Our daughters. I mean, we they get would to
1: do certain things to keep things ton, clean. There's tons of stuff that you wouldn't cut off, so you'd have to right. clean it.
0: <laughs> I mean, Especially your genitals, hand, right? Hands, your fingers <laughs> get way <laughs> dirty. Thing you're weaning, so you don't have to chop it off. But I, I'm fully on. Like I would probably be totally satisfied if I still had mine. I don't. I just don't. I don't know if it matters that much. I don't know if you really do get more sensation or whatever. But at this point, I'm, I'm you know not Jewish. I'm not a part of that tradition. I'm a Christian. But I feel like all the, a lot of those rules have passed away. You know, there's tons of stuff that you don't do anymore. And sure. I'm, I'm okay with that not being the case. Now, at the same time, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. I think it's going to be fine. I know a lot of people are circumcising. it's okay. Why but did you just... circumcise your boys, Joey? Joey loves circumcision. He's, no, he's on the exact opposite here. Well, did, did I tell you how the technology and the
2: doctor's instructions change all the time? Like, my two boys were two and a half years apart. And for one of them, you had to put like a uh, bandage uh, swab of some sort, like gauze loaded with Vaseline on the tip of its beet red penis and then put the diaper on every single time. And then. Uh, for the other little guy they actually had like a little ring around the tip of his penis and that basically took off all uh, the p- opportunity for infection and uh, it was actually a part of the the, the cutting process as well and our, our pediatrician when he saw that he kind of rolled his eyes and I was like what what's up and he said I just think that the ring idea is pretty silly and I was like why he said he well it's, it it just makes a really doggone good looking penis. But outside of that, it just seems to be more trouble. But I think for me too, it's like a, it's like a cultural thing. Like I remember when I was a little kid and, well, I, I remember when I was peeing with a little buddy of mine. We were like three years old and I saw his uncircumcised penis and I could not believe it. Like uh-huh. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I just and I, I didn't even ask any questions. Obviously he wouldn't have known anyway. So you we're really both, thought you at know, that two point, your was two or three years old. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it started. Right. Where's my skin? <laughs> Holy But yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess I've always been told is the foreskin is is more difficult to keep clean and there is a higher possibility of infection and yeah. all that stuff. Well but there are, you're right I never did right. research there are on my stu- own. There's
1: so. studies on that and they seem to be conclusive in general that it uh the the risks because there are some risks of doing it in scarring. Some sometimes there's complications, but the 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 things that it, the benefits there are. They say there's less urinary tract infections and the STDs seem to be transmitted less. It's not super right, definitive, right. I guess, and people like huh. to debate it. But overall, the, the they seem to the, like the CDC and some organizations would say the overall benefit to all of society is better. But on an individual level, it's not that hard to maintain yourself it right. seems so it could be it seems i don't know very interesting thing all the way around and i just you know i think the weird thing about it is the cultural part that you said there joey i feel like is there an element here of it you needing to validate the way that you are well i'm this way so i want my son to be that way Huh. You know what I mean? I didn't like,
2: think about that. You,
1: I would think that's the way most people go is just whatever they are. Like I know people that aren't circumcised and that their kids aren't either, and the people I know that are yeah. typically do. So it might be somewhat validating to your own point of view, but think about it this way. What if you knew now that you're circumcised and you had a son and you know that at this point only 25% in the future, let's say, of kids will be circumcised? Then you'd have to make the decision to not circumcise them for the, what oh, if they get made fun of? Or whatever. That, right. would, would, that, that would flip. But that seems like yeah. the, the silliest of all reasons is to just, well, I just want to do what everybody else is doing. Seems like a, yeah. I don't want to get made fun of. That one, I don't buy it. What all. do
0: you think, Bridget, if you have a boy, what do you think she would do? I think
2: circumcisions are kind of like, are, they're kind of like haircuts. When people get certain styles of haircuts, everybody gets the same kind of haircuts. It's, it's just,
1: just a style thing. You just say how to express that, that, yourself. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to say, yeah, it's too bad that you can't decide about your own penis is the problem. Yeah, you don't get to, you don't get to cut your own hair.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've
2: been running the same penis style now for centuries, and it's about time for a change. <laughs> we need to change.
1: No, I don't know what, this, this is a principle that I do use at the doctor, though. Whenever I'm talking to the doctor and they say, there's this and there's this, you know, they don't give you any weight or percentages that they, there's this option right. and there's this option, but I right. feel like they're trying to coach you one way or another sometimes. And I look at them and I say, well, what do most people do? And they're like, "Well, there's benefits this way I say, now out of all the people that come in this office, what percentage choose this versus this?" And then I make my decision. Dude, how many people get the, they say, "You don't have to vaccinate." How many people get vaccinations? 92%. Okay. I'm I'm not I don't care about this enough to go with the 12%. Yeah. Just that's that's yeah. the principle I use. So if it's a 50/50 thing, you can go with your gut, sure. But if there's some super high percentage of something people are doing, then unless you have strong feelings about it, You should let that inform you. That's my advice on that. What
2: are you going to do, Matt, if you have a boy? Well,
1: that's what I'm saying. If it's approaching 50%, that's just why it's a toss-up. I don't have a strong point of view. Um, She'd probably just take whatever she would deem to be
0: the more safe or conservative approach. So it might be
1: circumcision, honestly. I don't know.
0: No idea. Maybe it's a compliment. Maybe if our wives all want our sons to have circumcision, they're like, hey, your wiener looks great. I'd like our son to have a wiener just as nice as you. Yeah, it is. I think girls have an element of icky
1: sometimes, though.
0: Cause they just they don't, they don't know, know anything. Girls don't yeah. know anything about wieners or vaginas. <laughs> they don't know anything about them. It's the least thing on earth you are that they're right interested about that. in or know about. You are right about that.
1: I know so much more about vaginas
0: than oh most women. Oh my lord! <laughs> I <I'll> write <it. laughs> my book would look like the most intelligent book ever compared to any girl. If I wrote a book about vaginas, put me in a room with any female and I'll write about a vagina and I, it'll be it'll be a masterpiece compared you, to theirs. Be, you're probably right this thing down there and uh i don't know i'm going off of t- uh, yeah so <laughs> <laughs> all right let's bring our guests on come on all
1: right let's talk to justin Rand. we'll be right back okay so in case you guys didn't know this in today's economy cash really is king and i've, I've told this i've given this advice to somebody even earlier today it, and it really is having cash and being able to do stuff and what you do with it is is really really important so instead of getting stuck with high interest rates credit cards Maybe go to Prosper.com. Prosper is an online marketplace that connects people who need money with those who want to invest in you. They uh, they say it's like Uber or Airbnb, but for borrowing on money. So, you know, that's what all these businesses do now. They figure out good ways to help the consumer by connecting the right people. So with Prosper, you can borrow like up to thirty five thousand dollars just in a few days, so um, you can d- you can do it for anything you want now there's of course responsible and less responsible things to do with the money here 's one I like paying off high interest rate loans with lower interest rate loans that is a good idea that is a good reason to borrow money so prosper dot com is the better way to get the cash you need at a low interest rate. so to check out your low rate instantly without affecting your good credit score, go to prosper dot com slash bad christian. For up to $35,000 in your bank account in as few as five days, go to prosper.com slash christian. Other restrictions apply. See site for program. All personal loans are made by Web Bank, a Utah chartered industrial bank,
0: member of FDIC, equal opportunity lender. Today's music sponsor is We Are The City. You have heard them on our show before, guys, but they just released a new record last Friday called Above Club. So let's check out a song from that. This is called Kiss Me, Honey.
1: Woo! I can't quite figure it out Here and now
0: All right, guys, that was Kiss Me Honey by We Are The City off their brand-new record, Above Club. You can buy that record on iTunes, Amazon, or Bandcamp. They're also out on an awesome tour right now with Copeland and Isley. Oh, do not miss that. Head on over to Toothandnail.com and check out those dates. You should also go and check out their new music video for this song. These guys do an awesome job with every video they have ever made, and Paul McCartney says they are the greatest video makers of this or any generation. Check them out, guys. We are the city.
1: Well, Justin, do you do many podcasts? I, I heard you on the Joe Rogan show, which I'd love to talk a little bit about that in a little bit here. But have you been doing uh since that time and getting back into Bellator and everything? You've been doing a lot of podcasting.
3: uh I have. I, I've gotten to do. um Well, I mean, for me, it's a lot. I, maybe up to eight to ten, something like that. That's
1: cool. That's cool. Yeah. with Joe, well, I've been well, uh, on there
3: three times though, and
1: then yeah so you'd been on there for more fighting stuff before. And then the last one, which I listened to the other day, which I really enjoyed by the way, uh, is that was when you had come back and that one, the first times you were on his show, it was more about fighting and less about the, uh, fight for the forgotten and the, the pygmy stuff in the Congo and all that.
3: Uh, well, you know, actually the, the first one we did talk fighting because I was a fighter and he had commentated some of my fights, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but we really talked about the pygmies the majority of the time on the first show. And then on the. so.
1: How, oh, yeah. how long have you been involved with the pygmies and going to the Congo? Then like that thought it was a little bit more recently. So I apologize, but how long have you been doing that? Uh,
3: over four years, like four and a half years, I think. And, um, I, I stepped away from professional fighting and that was why kind of one of my first podcasts with with Joe was saying, I don't know if I ever will come back to fighting because I've, Kind of gone from fighting against people to fighting for people, and I'd never trade mm-hmm. um, fighting for people.
1: Yeah. So, so, how did you get in that into that in the first place with going over there? And, you know, four years ago.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of a long story, but uh, it's it, basically I was praying, and I was only eleven months sober and eleven months into my faith, and um, I wasn't even quite. I mean, I knew God was real. I know he knew he was good. I knew he really loved me but I didn't know that, you know, all the different ways that he communicates, but I was just praying and I was 11 months away from fighting. And that was my identity, my purpose, my significance. And when I stepped away, I didn't have anything to do anything going for me. I was basically jobless. And I said, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I was praying. And, uh, I would just say that I had a vision and it was very real. It was like, uh, anyways, uh, if I could, if you would want me to say that for the podcast, basically 100% of it came true. Three uh-huh. and a half weeks later, all of it came true, so much so that the I was crying in my vision because I felt like I saw the pygmies, didn't know they were the pygmies, didn't know where they were, what country. Um, but I got a word and I wrote it down and it was forgotten. And three and a half weeks later, when I was there with the, the pygmy chief and a missionary friend of mine who took me to the pygmies after that vision, um, the chief pulled me to the side and said, uh, Everyone calls us the forest people, but we call ourselves the forgotten. And my jaw just dropped because it was like, Wow, like that's exactly what I saw in my vision. And I don't, man, I I, I love the premise of y'all's podcast because I just want to be real. And I know I'm a jacked up dude, but God's so good and so loving. And so um, I don't want to be a weirdo Christian at all. I think that's what maybe yeah. Joe lets me on his podcast and stuff because
1: I'm not trying to cram it down his throat and being a weirdo. Well, well you didn't lead off with the prophecy story on his show.
3: <laughs>
2: no. All right. So you you are, you are fighting right now then.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. I took, I took five years and two months off. Yeah. Till my last fight, which was August 28th. And that was live on Spike TV. And I was the featured heavyweight fight. And, um, basically they, they built a story around, well, the fight around my story. And two, two, two and a half minutes, they shared a little clip and it showed me in the Congo and it was interviewing me. And I talked about some of the tough stuff there, but I mean, they even, they didn't cut out my testimony. Uh, they cut out parts, but you know, they let me say that, uh, I was in a deep, dark place. I was a drug addict. Um, I couldn't get myself out. And then that's whenever I found God and God came in and saved me. He, uh, he loved the hell out of me. Um, And that was all on Spike TV, a secular network. I think it was in front of like eight hundred thousand or a million people, something. Mm -hmm.
2: So you have to consider that "turn the other cheek" stuff to be a bunch of bullshit, right?
3: Oh, absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, let's 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 get in this for a minute. Like, obviously, you're you're an American. Did did you grow up in the church, or like when you you say you were in a dark place? How did you get there? Like. Just tell us a little bit about it.
3: Yeah. um, So I grew up, it's the third chapter of my book is basically, because I, first chapter is a little boy that passes away and dies of dirty water. And that's where I got the heart for clean water and he died in my hands and it was, it it wrecked me. Second chapter is the vision. But then the third chapter I go into, because I didn't want to freak people out in the second chapter of the book that this is some religious weirdo. Um, So in the third chapter, I talk about how uh, my whole upbringing was jacked up with religion. Everything about it was, was messed up. Uh, my family's church. Um, I would say I was the first Christian in in my family, immediate family, but there's one side of my family that there's a, a pastor and everyone goes to this certain denomination. And if you have instruments in your worship, you go to hell. If you have a tattoo, you go to hell. If you drink, you go to hell. If you go co-ed swimming, you go to hell. If the guys if you listen shorts, to the bad Christian
2: podcast, <laughs> you go to hell for sure.
3: Uh, <laughs> without a doubt. And so um, that jacked me up because of how legalistic and and, yeah. and fake and phony it was. And the, the pastor preaching it all wrecked our entire family, like ripped it to shreds. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so if you get drunk, you go to hell. Then the next, the only Christian church camp I ever went to, uh, I left with bruises because uh, they said, if you if you don't speak in tongues, you're possessed. So they laid their hands on me, tried to cast demons out. The last night, they said that if I wasn't going to be drunk, or that God was going to make you drunk, and you're going to be drunk in his spirit. And if you weren't, then you were demon possessed. So all the men of the church oh singled me out and cornered me and started shaking me and all this. It was kind of like the movie Jesus Camp or something. I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah. People tell me how crazy that is. And, uh, so, and then the next year, my parents sent me to Catholic school. So basically to sum that up, my high, graduating high school, my favorite quote was from Gandhi and it said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians because yeah. Christians mm-hmm. are so unlike your Christ. Because I had family and a pastor saying, if you get drunk, you go to hell. Another church saying, God's going to make you drunk. And then at Catholic school, I got drunk with the, the, pa- uh, the parents and <laughs> um, even the priests whenever I won nationals. I was the first ever Texan to win the national championship in high school. And so uh, the trophy was a big, a big mug, basically, or one of those big cups. And so everybody was just drinking from it. And I was with the parents and the coaches and the teachers and the the priest, and we were all getting drunk together.
0: So um, So you had a little bit of everything.
3: (laughs) I thought it was was all fake, fake, phony. None of it's real. I don't want anything to do with it. So then, um, you know, I went to the Olympic Training Center. Jacked up my elbow
1: against... The- and this is all wrestling at that time, yeah. right? You were doing...
3: Yeah, but I wanted to fight ever since I was 13. I grew up getting kind of bullied. Um, suffer with depression since clinically uh, diagnosed with depression at 13 years old. Um, and then from 13 to 23, I battled with depression. Um, and then from, I don't know, I would say 17 to 23, I battled with... Uh, addiction, really picked up when I was 18. I I broke my elbow, dislocated it, tore the ulnar collateral ligament. And I was given a ton of just different pain pills to to get me by until the surgery. Mm -hmm. They didn't know it'd be four months later that I got the surgery. I needed a specialist. And so anyways, I got hooked on narcotics and then it just snowballed from there to where I missed my best friend's wedding, not just being there, but being his best man, because I was off on a drug binge. I attempted suicide by overdose uh i was just in a very very deep dark place and uh got kicked off my fight team which was my childhood dream but my childhood dream basically became a nightmare um and then i couldn't even do that because they kicked me off the team
0: what is that uh, mm-hmm. uh just hitting on that i always want to know i mean i've done drugs and drank and partied hard and all that stuff but like when you say like a drug binge enough to like even miss your friend being your best, being the best man at a wedding. What does that look like? Like, are you in such a dark place where nothing, is, is it just nothing matters and you just really do like some serious drugs for days?
3: Yeah. I was the guy that, um, I was a functioning blackout drug oh. addict. You know, sometimes the day after, two days after, like, I, I don't remember anything and ask people, how did we get home? And they're like, what do you mean? You're, you drove us. Oh, and it's just nice. frightening because I was like, I don't even remember anything. Um, so in that six week period, I basically have a a couple of hazy memories. Um, I know that I hitchhiked through the mountains of Colorado. I know that I woke up and I was more thirsty than I've ever been in my entire life. I crushed a little plastic 20 ounce water bottle and maybe eight to 10 ounces went down my throat. The rest just went all over me. Um, there was a guy that so I was waking up and I was, I was basically ODing and a guy had the back of my head and he was saying, Justin, you got to drink, you got to drink. And I never been that thirsty, crushed the bottle. I look around, I have no clue where I am, but there's people laid out um, that I, I know that they're also messed up on all sorts of drugs. And I look at the guy and I go, who are you? And he goes, who am I? You've been living in my house, eating my food for two weeks now. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Good Lord.
3: <laughs> so I, I would always piggyback everything. I could never do one thing at a time. If I was doing Oxycontin, I was reaching for Xanax. If I was if I was drinking, I was reaching for the pills and I was looking for marijuana and cocaine and, and all sorts of stuff, shrooms and ecstasy and just everything. I'm not sure if I've done meth, but um, I could have in those, that time. Uh, the people around me were, so I probably could have. But cocaine was a big thing for me. Any kind of opiates. Um,
2: so once you cross those bridges, like, I mean, that's super hard not to want to get that high again, right? I mean, how, how do you not do
0: all that stuff? Yeah, what made you stop?
3: Man, I would just say that, like I said on Spike TV, God loved the hell out of me. And yep. it wasn't a 10-step program. Um, it wasn't rehab. Even in my book, I, I share a story of how I tried to check into rehab. These two Christians basically accepted me. I left to see if I had enough in my bank account to just pay for it up front. I came back in and they told me they think God had they think God has something else for me. And I was pissed. I was mad. I was like, no way. Like, you can't yeah, turn me away right now. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm suffering. I literally have a disease. Like, how do you turn me away? And they're like, come back tomorrow if God doesn't answer you. And so um, anyways, God just showed up in an amazing way where I ended up going on this Christian men's retreat where I said that, uh, well, the guy that tried to get me to go, um, his name's Jeff Duncan, and he's the guy that led me to the Lord. And when he told me, I, I thought it was kind of a Christian rehab, or a rehab, and then maybe it had a little bit of God in there. And when he told me it wasn't rehab, that it was just a straight-up, one-week-long Christian men's retreat, I said no right away. Um, I And he asked why. And I said, uh, sitting around a fire, holding hands, singing Kumbaya isn't going to do anything for me. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I said, I, I have a real problem, Jeff, and I need a real answer. And he just looked me in the eyes and said, "Man, real people with real problems really need a real God with real answers with real solutions." He said, "I promise you, He really loves you, and if you'll give Him an opportunity, He'll really change your life." And so, um, yeah, it was just it was just submission, surrender. I know that that yeah. drugs. Uh, I mean, I I fell back to drugs four months later after I gave my life to Christ, but. Um, and it was a two week battle, but since then i've been pretty solid and straight and it' it 's been great because it was five years, five months I just looked at my calendar. five years, five months, and 22 days ago that I gave my life to Christ and um, my life has never looked the same. like I, I know it was an internal heart change, but now me looking at my life, like there's no way I'm the same guy, but also other people, my, my parents. My mom came to Christ, my my dad 6 5 or 6 months ago did. Jeff, the same guy that led me to the Lord, led him to the Lord.
2: There's so many things I want to ask you. Like I wish we had hours. Like I I mean I from the basic thing of I've always wondered about you guys. Have you ever been scared to get into the ring and are you still scared? Is that like intimidating?
3: Fighters are different. There's some guys in the back that are throwing up before they go out yeah. because they're so scared. For me, I, I would much rather the training and everything to me is tougher than the fight. And it's a lot different for a lot of other guys. I look at the training and day in and day out, like I'm about to go to training after I get off with you guys. And, um, that stuff's tough for me. Other guys enjoy that lifestyle. And I love the training knowing that I get to fight. Yeah. So it's all about the fight for me. It's all about getting in there, actually looking across the mm-hmm. cage, seeing a guy looking deep into his eyes. And 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 saying, you know, kind of, you know, what do you got? Um, and and in a way of, for me, it's a human chess match. Uh, it's the Olympic style of wrestling, the Olympic style of judo, boxing. Um, and it's got kickboxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It puts it all into one sport. And you got to be thinking while you're throwing punches and kicking, you got to be thinking of, of knees and elbows coming back at you. Plus his takedowns. How am I going to stop his takedowns? How am I going to take mm-hmm. him down while he's trying to punch me? Once you get the takedown, you got to be, while you're finishing the takedown, you got to be making sure that you're not giving up a choke. So a, a submission or jiu <laughs> I, I love that aspect
0: were you professionally fighting while you were in this dark time and doing drugs or did that come after
3: yeah so i i accumulated a 13 and 2 professional record as a drug addict um, oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs>
1: so, is
3: that
1: is that prevalent though in is that the abnormal I mean, obviously it's somewhat abnormal but is that prevalent in the culture is it drugs and partying and people that are training at the same time is well, that
3: i would say just like the music industry or or Any kind of fast-paced lifestyle where you're traveling a lot, um, where people Mm -hmm. maybe look up to you or there's crowds that follow, drugs drugs follow for sure.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you think about that even all the way back for just Johnny Cash and Elvis and stuff. It's not like they're just these really awful guys, but you just get into – or Michael Jackson even. I mean, you just get into this thing where your life is so different than everybody else's life around you when you're around – Travel and entertainment and people that it makes sense to have this drug to knock down this or this drug to lift you up here. Yeah. And before you know it, it just, you, you don't feel like a regular person anyway. So you, you don't, you feel like those common sense things that for other people aren't, don't apply to you as well. But I'm surprised yeah. though to hear that in a physical sport though, because I would think it would take a toll on you physically yeah. when you're doing all this training well, and stuff. Well, so it I, does, I, that's,
3: it does take a toll on you physically for sure. But um, I would say, any contact sport you know opiates are a big thing uh, any kind of numbing uh-huh. numbing agent for your body uh, marijuana um, and and all kinds of narcotics are, are very prevalent because
1: even helpful you would say
3: yeah helpful it's easy, it's really easy for a doctor to in his heart think you really need it or um, to, to prescribe it I had a, I had three different doctors in three different states. Texas, Colorado, and Iowa. And one doctor would give me 30, one would give me 45, and one would give me 100.
1: But it's not like you can like train hungover and stay out all night, though. No, I, it caught up with me. I did, um, and it eventually caught up to
3: me to where my team wanted nothing to do with me. So um, I would say a lot of guys keep it under wraps, and I did for four years. And then the mm-hmm. last two years, it got worse and worse and worse and worse until I couldn't hide it anymore. And I was coming into training. I'd wake up, and I would start my steel cut oats with blueberries and my egg whites and, 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 avocado and sports nutrition shake. And then I would, I would start up my vaporizer and I would take a couple of pills and I would wash it down with, uh, some straight liquor. Um, and then I would go off the train. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but if they have any
0: kind of testing or anything, or were you able to avoid that stuff? They
3: do have testing. Um, somehow I just would get tested at the Perfect timing. Um, Before I knew I was going into the UFC, I knew that, uh, you know, they were pretty strict. So I cleaned up for a bit. Then it bought me some time. Yeah,
0: that makes sense.
2: Maybe uh, Christians never asked you this before, but how do you reconcile nonviolent scriptures to your profession, such as turn the other cheek? I was joking around earlier, but I am curious what how you would answer someone if they said, hey, brother, how can you be in this sport as a Christian?
3: Yeah, no, that's the number one question I get. And it's, <laughs> it's it's not from non Christians, but it is from from Christians. They they first, I would say the younger crowd a lot of times is like, oh wow, you know that gives you an opportunity to. I know so many people that love that sport, and you can really reach them or this and that. And then the old school, a lot of a lot of people are like, how can you? How dare you call yourself a Christian and right. somebody for a living? And I just a lot of times I try to. Take it. You beat, beat their it. ass. You just beat yeah. their ass right there on the yeah. spot. <laughs> right there. I challenge them to a wrestling match. Even I've been sharing my testimony at a lot of churches, and I, you know, kind of have to start off answering that question yeah. and say, uh, you know, I, I, I stepped away from the sport for five years, but then as I look into Scripture, I see different different spiritual gifts, and I see the spiritual gift of uh, laying on of hands, and maybe that's the one that I got. Uh, <laughs> and no, that's more of a a joke than anything i i think that i get to be a light in a very dark
1: place you call this mma sport a very dark place i would i mean i would say that it's
3: it's got a lot of positives but there's a lot of hurting people um just like Mm -hmm. anywhere but um there's a lot of people that would never step into a church that are turned off by church just like i was and i retreated and ran to the fighting world um and now i've been you know God's taken me out of it for five years. He's cleaned me up, deepened my relationship with him, took me on the mission field and, you know, gave me something to fight for. I got to start a nonprofit ministry and just be able to to now come back into the sport and tell people this is what God did in my life. This is what God's doing in the Congo. This is what I get to do in the Congo by loving my pygmy family, and I get to be a light, kind of in both places. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would just have to choose one or the other. That these are my two passions: uh, fighting was kind of BC or before Christ, and then fighting for people or fighting for the forgotten or my pygmy family in Congo. That's now, and I thought I had to choose one or the other. Mm-hmm, right. and God gave me one, and I I did the other. But now I get to combine them and see. That, that God's using them in both places. I mean, I've seen fighters come to Christ, get baptized, fight fans, uh, atheists. Um, a guy that watched the Joe Rogan uh, podcast and he went out and bought the book. And, it, and the book's a lot different than my interviews on a lot of secular podcasts. I share my sure. faith all the way through the book um, from cover to cover. And I try to do it in a very non-cheesy or I don't try to speak Christianese, but just be real with people. And, you know, someone went on Amazon and wrote a review saying they got real iffy real fast whenever they read about God in my personal relationship. But then they came around and now they've started their own personal relationship with Christ. And so
1: that's really neat. The uh, thing that strikes me about you is that you I mean, that really is two really different worlds. And it kind of makes sense. And reading about you and hearing you on other podcasts and stuff like that, you seem a very socially aware of poverty and care for the poor and needy, which is you know essentially like a very liberal um, kind of point of view and, and your social justice care there. And then on the other hand, you have fighting type, which most liberal mentalities don't like that violent side or whatever. So it's quite a contradiction indeed. I think that must be. And then on top of that, there's, is, there's Christianity. So there's, there's three really polarizing things that people have really different opinions on that you seem to kind of embody entirely. Yeah, well, I,
3: I would say that, man, God made me a fighter. He He's the one that gave me that desire. I mean, I had it as a boy, 13 years old. I, I grew up getting bullied, and I said if I could be a UFC fighter, then I probably wouldn't get bullied. Plus, I fell in love with the sport. And then now, you know, with the Pygmies, I, I would call them the most bullied people on the planet uh-huh. who had no land of their own or, or water or food and they were enslaved and they've even been killed, cooked and eaten, cannibalized. And so crazy that, that now I get to, to fight, yes, physically and be a light in a, a professional sport, but then spiritually or, or emotionally, I get to fight for these people who I love, who I've become family with. And, you know, there they don't really know me as the fighter or the professional athlete. They call me Faosa, mm. and my full name is Faosa Mabutimangbo, and Faosa means uh, the man who loves us, and Mabutimangbo because the Pygmies are like little dudes. Um, translated, my name is the
1: big Pygmy. Big Pygmy, I like it.
3: Cool. Yeah, and so I, I would say that man, uh, God wants us to be fighters, but I would, I would say tender, uh, almost like a, a tender warrior, um, someone who will yep. stand up, and that's what Jesus did. He wasn't some you know sissy. He was a, he was a. I would say a warrior, but a tender warrior. He loved people and loved them radically, but he stood up for what was true and right and the truth and in love. And that that's what I know saved me. It wasn't some deep theological debate that sparked some light bulb moment or were a well thought out doctrine that I had to dedicate myself to or a dry and dull religion that I had to live by. It was, and, and I wasn't hit over the head with a Bible. I was, I was loved into it. It was a raw, real, no strings attached kind of love. And I think so many Christians judge people away whenever God is wanting to love them in. And if we just let God love people into the kingdom and we are conduits of that, he'll clean them up. We don't have to clean people up. He does that.
2: Let me ask you this. Does your faith influence how you talk trash or keep you from talking trash? Or do you... Do you badmouth people, and uh, you know, I'm gonna kick your ass. I mean, I'd love yeah. to hear you speak on that.
3: That might be more WWE style. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> style. now it happens, it happens in fighting, but um, but for me, I, I want to be af- afterwards. I was buddy buddy with this guy, um, that I just fought and almost knocked him out. And he I, seemed like he had like a cinder block for a head, he, he just wasn't <laughs> going down. This guy said him and his kids are going to be praying for me. He's a Christian. Uh, One of the guys that bought my second trip to the Congo, the the plane ticket, uh, was a guy that I did knock out. Um, And so uh, (laughs) it sounds kind of crazy, but it's a sport. And so just like uh, NFL players can be friends with each other when they're off the field, it's game time when you're on the field. But before and after, you can be friends. Now, before, it's a little different because it is you are throwing your fist at each other. But afterwards, you know, be buddy, buddy and wish them the best and even share Christ with them. You know,
0: I've always wanted to ask this question since we're on fighting. Yeah. And, OK, so one thing like I grew up loving boxing like that was my thing. My papa watched boxing with me and I just always thought it was it was just so great. And then it was really hard for me to understand mixed martial arts for a while. Because a lot of it was uh, the grappling and the going to the ground and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, kind of anything goes. But now I actually think, have you been able to see, like, uh, w- one thing I think is really neat, like you were talking about all the different disciplines and thinking, you know, three strike, uh, six strikes ahead or what, what's going to be happening next. It really is an intelligent game. Now, I really do believe. Like in the beginning, I thought it was like uh, the tough man contest in town. You know what I mean? Like it was just local boys that would hit each other. Like it looked crazy. But now, I mean, you guys are legitimate and well-surpassed boxing.
3: I would say that just like anything, um, people need to get educated on the sport and know that it's, man, it's been misinterpreted a lot as a street fight or a barroom brawl or tough man and, and whatnot. But I would say that, Anyone who steps into the sport that's only good at one aspect, like a world champion boxer, can come into our sport and he's going to get beat real fast. Yeah. A world champion wrestler can walk into our sport and get beat real fast. It's happened. Olympic Olympic gold medalist in judo lost, you know, two fights, his first two fights, and quit. Never came back. Olympic wow. gold medalist in wrestling came in, thought he was going to win, got beat up. And this is what I love about the sport. I lived at the Olympic Training Center, and we trained one to two times a day five days a week. Now that I'm a professional fighter, I'm having to train two to three times a day, six days a week. And I'm not just training one sport. Uh, I train, I train boxing with just the punches. I train kickboxing with the elbows, knees and kicks. Then the jiu-jitsu, which is the submission grappling and the judo and the wrestling. And then on top of that, you have to get in time for your strength and conditioning, either swimming or running or lifting weights. And so I love it because if, if people can wrap their minds around, hey, these are Olympic, Oh, some of the guys in the sport right now, oh, well, my coach I'm about to go wrestle with, he's an Olympic gold medalist, the UFC champion that's at the training that I'm going to right now, the, the world champ. he's an OSU NCAA champion as well in wrestling. Um, there's Olympians and judo and boxing and, and wrestling that are all coming to this sport because it gives them an avenue to be a professional athlete and to test yourself further than just one sport. Now you get to to combine it all together and test yourself that way.
0: It's so (laughs) awesome. Like it it really has kind of won me over, especially, first of all, it's almost like how the NFL overtook baseball. Like it is such an exciting sport. Like literally anything can happen. That's what's so cool about it. But my next question is, and, and I'm really serious, like, how long do you think we could last in a ring with you? Like, like, <laughs> like I mean, see, like, real honestly, it one depends of, on how fast we can run. No, no, no but I'm just saying, <laughs> we're in an octagon. Uh, I mean, what, like, literally, obviously, we have no chance. But what do you think the actual time? Like, you had, you have to bet a thousand dollars of your own money. How quickly you can put us out? Like to where we tap out or whatever. How long do you think you could? How quickly do you think you could do it?
3: Is it all of you are in there at the same time? No, no just two? one one at a time. Oh, well, that's that's less challenging. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It just kind of depends. People that aren't trained on it, you know, that there's been guys that are NFL guys that come in and want to want to jump in there with some of us, and we can put them away in a minute or so, and wow. so uh, sometimes less. Uh, my my first professional fight was a minute. Um, in nine seconds. I've had one that was eighteen seconds. Good so it
0: all—it
3: all just kind of depends, you know. It can end in a hurry, but it just like my last fight, it went fifteen full minutes. Incredible. So it it kind of kind of depends on uh yeah how fast you can run. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: just yeah. kidding. What's what's your like uh your big move or what you know what I mean like the arm bars or or whatever it might be that people do. Do you have a special thing that you do? Uh, mine would mainly be
3: because of the wrestling background. And then on top of that, I added jujitsu. Um, so I like to take guys to the ground, and my style was called ground and pound. So I take you to the ground and I try to pound you out from there with, uh, with punches or elbows. Mm -hmm. And then if you open up and give me a submission, I'll take it. And, uh, normally those are some kind of choke. I have a sneaky choke. It's like a, it's a blood choke instead of an air choke. And so, um, you don't even know that you're you're truly being choked until it's a little too late. And so a couple of guys have passed out and they come right back. It's not anything actually that dangerous. And in in comparison, you know, comparing NFL to, it's almost like asking a NFL player, how can you be a Christian because you're hitting each other? Because in concussions, man, NFL is like 10 times, 20 times more per capita, like uh, than us getting concussions. So many of those guys get concussions. It's metal helmets, you know, spearing each other. It's like a car crash. And so, not I. I love the NFL. I have friends that are are that play, but um, just like their sports now come along, come along, come around to where Christians can see it and as a mm-hmm. sport, and that's very disciplined sport. Um, same thing with fighting. I think it's gonna. There will be a day it comes around to where people. Say like, oh, wow, you get to have a platform just like uh, Tim Tebow or some other kind of guy like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, tell anybody that would say that fighting, like use a biblical and say that you're wrong for that. It's just that is just ignorant and, and stupid. For example, everybody talks about, oh, man, David killed Goliath. It was two people that wanted to fight each other. They both agreed. I mean, like you guys, it's, it's an actual you're using your your body that God gave you using your mind. You're using your agility. All the training. Come all the on, that's a bad example what? though, don't you think? No. Everybody thinks that David was awesome for fighting Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't for spoil. Oh, and God. they both agreed. They both yeah. agreed. Hey, we're gonna fight.
2: To the death. And they and they love the part about, and then he cuts his head
0: off. Yeah, I know, then they <laughs> chop <him. laughs> Justin. You you never after you beat somebody saw their head off, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had I've had a sore hip
3: though before, kind of like Jacob and the, the
0: God touched your hip. <laughs> is there any kind of like, uh, fight help? Like if I, uh, there's a guy that's messing with my wife at the mall, is there any recommendation you have for a quick thing that I could do to <laughs> knock him out or, or get him away from? So he's like way bigger than you and or, stronger. Or, or does it just take too much practice to do something quick? Oh, uh,
3: I would say that it, you definitely want to train and have practice to, you know, learn self-defense right, right. and things like that. But there's, there's several different things you can do. It's kind of hard to show it or, you know, by just it, yeah. sharing words. But, uh, I would say a lot of times in fights, uh, street fights, um, if you have to, it's always better to be the aggressor um, because you can make guys cower down. Or and I know that sounds weird, but you know, ninety percent of street fights hit the ground. So if you are gonna go to the ground, try to be on top, uh, him underneath, Mm -hmm. and then if you can learn some self defense, jujitsu is a great one to learn how to subdue a guy without. Beating him to a bloody mess. You can submit him with a choke or hold his arm behind his back in a certain way um, to to kind of subdue him instead of uh, pounding him senseless.
0: Obviously, if that would happen, that guy would be an atheist. So, then we need to love him, huh?
3: (laughs) I got a
2: question that's super interesting to me. Like, uh, I know you're ten years a good ten years younger, so you probably don't remember as much about Mike Tyson. But so he's he's kind of the baddest. Boxer yeah. in in my memory, like when you think of a boxer like that, I, I mean, I really am asking out of ignorance. Like, could you get in the ring and just kick his ass because of your um, ability to just do other stuff than swinging punches? I mean, could you take down you know, Mike if, Tyson if, in his prime?
3: If I was if I was stood on my feet with Tyson for twenty seconds, it's you know hugely in his favor since he could put you know professional boxers out in 20 seconds or, or less sometimes yeah, it's fights. But um, I could just reference James Tony, a world champion heavyweight boxer, came into the UFC to fight against Randy Couture, yeah. uh, the UFC champion. And Randy didn't even swing a punch or let James Tony, James Tony, professional boxer, didn't get a chance to throw one punch because before he had a chance, he was on his back. And so oh. right, when they, right when they touched gloves, he basically got taken down with a double leg was on his back, um, and uh, then I believe he was choked out. He might have been knocked out by punches, but once a boxer's on their back, they have zero power. All their power comes from being on their feet, turning their hips, um, getting a snap behind their punch, uh, and whenever you're on your back, like, I don't ever think I've ever seen one person in MMA, people can punch off their back, but they've never landed anything to be able to knock a guy out.
1: Well, Justin, I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, charity stuff. I, I find charity and the pygmies and all that stuff really, really interesting because you care about it so much. and You're so involved and in throwing your life into it, and it's a specific cause. And it, it, honestly, it makes me feel guilty because I, I feel like when I hear you talk about it, that has to be the right thing to do, but yet I'm not doing it. I don't even understand w- what a regular person should do. Why shouldn't everybody do kind of the way that you do with that?
3: So, yeah, I would say that... Um, I don't want to make anyone feel guilty about if they're, you know, not helping in the Congo with my pygmy family. You know, if people do want to help and, and pray and, and support, then, you know, great. Uh, praise God. Like, thank you so much. But um, really I think that every nook and cranny that has darkness in this world needs love. And so that's here, that's there, that's everywhere. Um, and I hope that people listening would know that man, church or God, isn't meant to be at some specific time, at some specific place on Sunday that God and his goodness, his love and his church is supposed to be anywhere at any time. um, And and it's everywhere. And so we're we're meant to go um, to the places that are unreached and and that are dark um, and to be a light in those dark places. And so with the the Pygmies, um, I've fallen so in love with them just because Um, they've accepted me as family. And I went there and I felt like after I had had gone for the first time that uh, nothing happened, that the problem was way too big and that I was way too small and that their suffering was too much and that I couldn't do anything. But I was told a, a Swahili proverb and the Swahili proverb says, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping in a closed room with a mosquito. Um, and it's a pretty simple concept, but if you think you're yep. too small to make a difference, try sleeping in a closed room with a mosquito. And that, that would make a big difference here or where you are. Like we would know if a mosquito's around. And on my second trip, I almost died of, of malaria. Oh, um, and uh, so a little mosquito kicked my tail more than any uh, grown man ever has. Uh-huh. Um, I lost 33 pounds in five days. I oh, good God. God. Yeah, I was vomiting red and green, which was blood and bile. Fever, had shot up to 104 and it would plummet down to 95. And I I had tunnel vision. I couldn't, uh, I literally lost all my peripheral vision. Did you think you were going to die? I wasn't sure, but I felt I just had peace the entire time. Um, And I know that sounds weird, but this is what I felt like in prayer that God was leading me to do before I ever went. It was four things, which was live with, listen to learn from, and then God was going to show me how I could truly love them. First, I had to live with them and, you know, develop friendships, relationships, and, and share in their suffering so that I could learn from them, learn their culture. Because so many people from the West or churches or NGOs or USAID, UNICEF, they go to a new country With a new problem which looks like the same problem but it's a new culture Uh and they just throw money at the problem and a lot of times that doesn't fix it
1: well that's what i wanted to ask you about. i hear that all the time and it's one of the it's almost a common cliche in africa this is almost a cliche in christianity you hear that the the 19 year olds have raised some money and they're going to go over to africa and it seems to me a lot of times like a mini vacation and they feel like they did something amazing and they come back and and say how they went to Africa and did stuff, and then I hear people saying how that really isn't helpful. And there's articles about how that doesn't help, and they often do more damage than than help. And they leave, you know, it's just. Uh, but on the other hand, the stuff that you're doing does not sound to me that way at all. So, what's your thoughts on on those types of things?
3: Yeah, so short term missions. I mean, I'm not going to knock it because of. Well, I won't knock it to begin with. Um, it's what God used in my life to. To give me a bigger vision and purpose, and and to show me what what he wanted me to do. But I would say that it all depends on the heart going into it. If you're truly going there, thinking you're going to be a savior, or thinking that um, I don't know, I, a lot of short term missions, it's almost like you're going on a human safari. You're just going to see these yeah. you know yeah. poor dark skinned people and become so appreciative and grateful for everything you exactly. have and that they don't
1: exactly. And
3: it it does a lot more problems than it does good. Um, even so much so that there's a prominent Christian in Uganda that wrote a book and uh, and I've been there to the ministry and seen it and, and it's an incredible ministry, but visitors are their biggest problem. The short-term missionaries that come there are their biggest headache um, because People are really coming there for themselves and not for the people. Yeah. And I would say that before you go on a short-term mission, are you really going for yourself or are you going for the people there? And are if on that trip, if God tells you this is what you're doing for the rest of your life, are you open to that or are you just going to come straight home and go back to, to this? Because I don't know that God takes people on a one-week, two-week trip somewhere in the world and, and this it just stops there.
1: That's right, because if you're going to be dedicated to something, it's not like you, do, you don't go be a CEO for one week or a fighter for one right. week. If you if you feel like there's these people and they, they are in need and you care so much. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm here. I didn't even do that. And I feel guilty. So it makes me just not even want to try, which is apathetic and terrible, too.
3: I wouldn't say that because just like that quote, um, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you know try sleeping closer room with a mosquito. Like we're, we're so much bigger and greater than a mosquito and God's so much bigger and greater than us. And, you know, he loves us, we're his kids and he can do so much more than we could ever think. And I would say that's, that's what happened in my case where, you know, I had fundraised for 300 acres of land and two water wells, you know, after Andy Bow had passed and died. And um, when I picked him up, like the blood came out of his ears and onto my hands and he died just because of dirty water like that forever gripped my heart for clean water. And then I'm like, how am I going to do this? I have no clue. But I know that when I get home, I have a faucet. I can just turn my wrist and and, and clean water comes out where I can what I'm going to go to the restroom in is is cleaner than anything these people could have ever imagined. So there should be a way that that God, I'm his kiddo. He's the king, but I'm his kid and he should be able to say, a good father would be able to give me a gift in loving his kids to be able to bring them clean water, even though I had no clue how. And so I had fundraised for 300 acres of land because I knew that if they didn't have land of their own that they owned first, then giving them a water well, they could just be pushed off or bullied or it could be stolen or taken away. And so 300 acres of land and two water wells is what I fundraised for. But to date, There's been 2,470 acres of land purchased legally in their name. They'll pass it down from generation to generation. At the end of this year, it'll be 3,000 acres. So literally 10 times more than what I thought was already impossible. And then instead of two water wells, two days ago, our team finished the 26th water well in Congo. And so I was there for the first um, 12 water wells and I had my hands on the tools. I had been trained up and sent out on how to drill wells and, and how to train a team. And an uh, organization called Water Four out of Oklahoma City, Water the Number Four, really teamed up with me and my organization and sent us out. They put the tools in my hands and training and knowledge in my head so I could go do the same for people in the Congo. And I would say that that's something that's missing a lot in, in long-term missions or Christian missions at all is going to the country and developing relationships with the people there to empower them and encourage them. And so my first two years, two and a half years, was basically relationship building with no results at all. And so it was hard because I was like, man, nothing's happening. But God was providing amazing people. A guy I call Papa Y, he's like a father figure to me. Another guy named Loringa, who's like a brother to me. Um, And now we have 18 full-time employees in Congo um, that they're like 18 of my heroes. Their faith is bigger than my faith. Their faith is so much different than a lot of the the stuff here. I'm not saying one's one's better than the other, but or maybe I will because I think a lot of stuff here is so cheap. Um, the yeah, faith yeah. here is so cheap. It's all dependent on our circumstances yeah. and what we have and our mood and our emotions, and, and it's not dependent on who God is. And so there, they just know God's good and God's real, that he's, he's king and they're going to serve him regardless of their circumstances. And so it's pretty incredible to see that, you know, God's built a team there and now we're doing farming and, uh, we've established 10 brand new villages that all beforehand were basically all the people had been enslaved. Now, everybody that lives on the the land, they're, they're free. And there's a documentary being made that the book is my point of view and me telling their story. Now a documentary is being made. It was just funded on Kickstarter. And it's an opportunity for them to have their own voice where we film them. And we're already halfway through filming. It'll be at Sundance Film Festival um, next year. And so that was my first promise. I knew I couldn't promise them land, water or food. But I knew that, you know, with a platform from fighting and because God gives a voice to the voiceless, that I could promise the chief whenever he said, Efe or Efeosa, nobody knows about our suffering. Um, we don't have a voice. Can you help us have one? Um, I, I said yes, and I, I, I promised them that. And so that's the books giving them a voice, the documentaries giving them their own voice where they'll speak on camera, and God just done so much more than I could have ever possibly imagined. I never thought I would ever be able to employ one person, but now we have 18 that are some of the most incredible people I've ever met in my entire life.
1: What does that do for your point of view of when people talk about poverty here or lack of health care? Because it seems like a joke compared to what they have. You know what I mean? Does that make you more or less empathetic to the person below the poverty line in America?
3: I would say that I've just like I went over there and learned that, um, you know, in their culture, you know, people are suffering of this, that and the other. It would be real easy for me to come back. And there has been times where I've been bitter, you know, towards Christians that say, you know, oh the enemy's really after me. Um, I don't know why the enemy just won't leave me alone. I got a speeding ticket today. (laughs) <laughs> come on dummy you were speeding therefore you got a ticket it wasn't god doing it. it wasn't the enemy doing it um or i was at the airport and this is in the book where i kind of say like i wanted to lovingly kind of grab these two ladies and and um one was a mother and one was a daughter and they were wearing their christian t-shirt they were going to haiti and i'd been to haiti and um seen kids you know bathing, you know, walking down a snow drift of garbage and to bathe in this rancid creek and then to yep, climb yep. back out of it again.
2: It really is crazy when you go to places like that. And you come home and you're like, I can't believe I was uh, uh, concerned about the stairs being dirty or things being cluttery. I mean, it's just complete, complete game changer. Well, I, mean, I think, too, what, what
0: you guys are saying is, what, and what I appreciate, Justin, you said a couple of things like, one thing that is true, like I think short term missions do have a point and it, it, it might even be important, but I actually believe probably short term missions is more about us, the American yeah. church, or, uh, this, you know what I mean? Like it, it, might, it might even change us and help right. us to be more aware. But the long term, being involved in the words you use is, is perfect, is relationship. And I think that's where Christianity it, has kind of gotten off the path a little bit. We we put so much into just the works of it. Oh man, we you know we we did wells or we did you know we were able to send money to th- this country or that country or whatever. But like what you're saying, and I think it really resonates with me is the relationship. Like it took a while. Like a normal relationship takes a while to build and to get trust. You said you for two years you felt like you didn't even know what you were doing. Like that whole process was God growing you, growing them, building building that relationship to make it actually real where there was trust and all these things. And, and I think we get a little bit too carried away sometimes with the product and the story, like, you know, you know what I mean? As opposed to, hey, this might take some time, but there will be real change. Like people yeah. will see that we actually do care. We're not just talking about this Jesus character. Here's some money. See ya. Like we're actually, I think, I think people are starting to awaken to that idea and, and people like you are kind of showing us that.
3: Yeah, I, that's what I would hope. I mean, the thing that I want is for this to, to, to outlive me, to go, you know, to to live longer than I'll live and to to climb higher than I can climb and to go farther than I can go. And that's not gonna happen just dependent on me. It takes people and people are a greatest resource. And that's why Jesus came to this earth was because he was after the hearts of people and he wanted the lives of people. And it wasn't about stuff. It wasn't about water wells. It wasn't about the loaves and two fish. It wasn't about in anything other than everything he did was because of God and because of people. And so, you know, one of my greatest things is like loving seeing that like happened through this is, man, I kind of got to disciple um, some people that are now well drillers, but now they're going through discipleship, making movements and training and how to how to disciple others like legitimately. And I was there for the first 12 water wells, step, step back with my wife and watched them do the 13th. And now they just did the 26th, and and so they've doubled what I was there and able to accomplish, and that's what I see Jesus did. He invested in the lives of the disciples, and then they were the guys that that turned the world upside down. Obviously because of what Jesus did, but they went out and they 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 did amazing, incredible things because it was them and God, and they were loving Him, loving people, and so exactly what you said, like. People are our greatest resource, and it's not about numbers. And I can say, hey, look at the numbers that happened—they doubled the water wells, and that's incredible because the people are suffering and they've never had it. And, and in the water or in the cement, they'll write Mungu Anatupa Mai, which means God gave us water. So it's not the American gave us water or the Christian University in Congo yeah. gave us water; it's God gave us water. But as I say, like those numbers, like everything behind it is those eighteen. Christians that have greater faith than I and and then uh, the 1400 Mbuti pygmies that I've become family with and that live on the land that that were at one time enslaved and would tell you that they had a slave master and they're paid in just food or bananas and now through relationships their hearts have been changed the, their masters hearts have been changed and when we go into a community it's like that's something that blows them away because we're not like a normal NGO that comes in and says we have a quota to meet. You know, we, we have all this money and we got to spend it all so we can take some pictures and go back to the people that gave it to us so that we can report to them. It's all about reports and quotas and numbers. And it's like we go into these communities and we say, hey, we believe God has, has given us a vision for land, water, and food. Maybe it's going to go beyond that. But if you will, these these two people groups, the Makpala and the, the Pygmies, the non-Pygmies and Pygmies have had a, a symbiotic relationship. but at times it's, it's master over slave and, and there's been oppression and hatred and, and, you know, they'll tie them up and beat them and all this stuff. And we come in, instead of saying, we just want to love the pygmies, which that's, you know, my heart and my family, we come into the community and say, we want to love the community as a whole. We want to begin a relationship with you. We don't want it to be short-term. We want it to be long-term. If it's, if it was up to us, it would be lifelong. But we know there's two parties here, so it's up to you guys how long this goes. But we want it to be lifelong. We're committed to you. And if the master will sell us land, he'll benefit financially, and the the former slaves will benefit by having land for the first time. And then with working with us on that, both sides are going to get clean water. When I've attended funerals of both sides' kids, just because of dirty water, we get to come in and say, hey, this is going to save lives. Going to be clean water for the first time ever, and after we do land water, we're bringing in agriculturalists to teach the masters or the Makapala, the non-pygmies, how to plant their seeds deeper or farther apart so they produce more fruit. And we teach the pygmies how to farm for the first time. And so it's all about relationship, though, because we've told them like we're not going to spread ourselves too thin. We want you to know that we're wholeheartedly committed to to your well-being and to seeing what God wants to do here and so we're going to see it through and that's they, awesome great they, they've so, seen that over the last several years so the response has been incredible
2: that's cool so hey there's not too many guests where we can end by saying that we want you to tell people where they can go get your book all about loving people and do you have any fights coming out to where people can watch you kick people's asses also
3: <laughs> yeah so i'll start with the the, the fight um I, I fought august 28th on Spike tv there's a cool video that kind of includes my testimony and it, uh it's called justin Wren the return um justin Wren the return but on the fighting I'm, I'm looking there was a fight potential november 20th then there was a fight potential on new year's eve in japan and tokyo but now it looks like i won't be fighting until january or february so that's to be announced um, to be determined. Uh, I'm training after I get off with you guys. I'm going to to train with some some massive guys. Uh, it's Scary how big they are. Um, <laughs> and and the book uh, is Fight for the Forgotten. It's the same name as the organization, um, as the foundation, and it's on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble. And what I love is that 33 percent of my author proceeds go straight to the land, water, and food um, for the for the pygmies. And so. If people, you know, wanna truly, you know, find out about it, they can go to the reviews on Amazon. People have given their own personal honest reviews and I think people will see the the heart behind it really is love God, love people. Let's get rid of the re- religious junk and garbage and just love Jesus and love people. That's great.
2: That's awesome. So it's fight for the forgotten, how I mix martial artists stop. Fighting for himself and started fighting for others. I love the cover of the book, man. It's cute as all get out. Well, thanks so much, man. It's been awesome talking to you. Good luck training, Justin.
3: Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have been a real, a real blessing, and it's been fun. Uh, if we ever get a chance to do it again, I, I'd
0: love that. Awesome, cool, man. Talk to you later. Thanks. All right, man. Justin Wren, that, mm-hmm. that dude is a royal badass. Yeah, he yeah, can, he, he can, is. He can annihilate us.
1: Yeah, I heard him on, like I said, on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, maybe twice i listened to him he was on long, no i don't know i heard him on there and he it's weird like i'm glad he felt more free to talk about god stuff he didn't at all on on there i wonder if he was i should ask him that if he was told not to or why exactly he didn't uh-huh. but he didn't say
0: like he no, i don't think joe he mentioned it
1: yeah. and stuff but i guess he just thought well i don't want to make it get weird or something right. kind of thing but uh he talked on that show with joe so m- I, I really enjoyed his interview with joe much better than his interview with us because we're not as good as Joe <laughs> but they, they talked about so much stuff in detail of his malaria that he had and they, they, they went right. more in depth about you know all the stuff over Basically, there
0: it a way better podcast than the one we just well that's what's interesting I'm saying we,
1: I, we listen to podcasts listen to people and then we sometimes have the same people on so yeah. how stark is it to be able to listen to the same guy on a different show and then say oh well shit I'm terrible at this right. relative speaking you know that's the way I feel about it <laughs> yeah I agree but I enjoy Justin I think he's tremendous
0: all right. Well, uh, this is a long show, so we're gonna get right to some truth. UMF. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Joey, keep your damn mouth shut. Matt, kick the music. Rolling. In a world, in a world where no one even understands that if your one of your balls hangs lower than the other one, that's just for balance. That's okay. That's a good. It's thing. all right. Man. You can walk. It's your all right. Balance. You need it. In your, your body life. My is name's trying Toby to keep Morrell, and this is the damn alive. news. Joey, shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> And, by the way, ladies,
1: one boob is definitely bigger than the other. That no, is true. Totally. Don't worry about it. It's normal. You're
0: okay. I bet one butt cheek's bigger than You're the other. Okay. Absolutely. You are okay,
1: ladies. All right. If you have one D cup, one A cup. That is fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> At, uh, here's the thing. It would be fine. Any dude would be like, oh, my Lord. Wow. <laughs> be, I, I, there's no such thing as a bad tattoo. You you can, want, can, there's no such you thing. Can you could call crazy them mood boobs and crazy balls, and all that's fine. It's you could call them
2: mood boobs. And everything's <laughs> Whatever, Whichever you're in the it's
0: mood what we're talking for. Talked about before. <laughs> you have it both
1: ways. All right. What's the first story?
0: Gavin Rosdale accused of affair with Gwen Stefani lookalike nanny. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, you know that. You know they got divorced. and Now she's with what's his face from uh, the Voice. What's the country story? that Sheldon. broke up? Yeah, Blake Shelton. All right. This comes from Yahoo ABC. Gavin Rossdale is facing allegations that he cheated on Gwen Stefani with their children's nanny for three years. The couple announced their split in August when Gwen reportedly citing irreconcilable differences as the reason behind their divorce uh, split up with Gavin. Mindy is accused of copying Gwen's look after posting similar photos on social media. Now, Us Weekly claims that Gavin had a three-year affair with Mindy Mann, the nanny to their three sons, um... And then it just goes on to talk about that. And then the picture, though, she's okay, I guess, in in a sense of Gwen Stefani is considered beautiful and Uh mega famous and all this stuff. And the nanny's just the nanny that might even be trying to look better by looking like her. But it's this weird thing that I have heard before a bunch, and I was going to get y'all's thoughts on this. I think uh, even when you have something like it, it doesn't matter who you're married to, if everybody else in the whole world thinks, they're the most beautiful person in the world, you'll cheat. Like Hugh Grant. Yeah. You know, or, he, he had, he yeah. was
1: married to Elizabeth Hurley. Right. And cheated with a, a very cheap prostitute right. or something like right. that. Right. Like supposedly
0: story. Brad Pitt was with Jennifer Aniston, but it wasn't enough. So he had to go to Angelina Jolie or yeah. whatever it might be. Like the idea, but in, in this instance, I think sometimes I think when you're with that person, uh, you just want something else. Like maybe, right. like, Maybe even less attractive world-wise, is more attractive to you. Uh-huh. Like, well, it does like, seem like a little bit of a bad deal to go like don't with you He one, could have got a super hot girl or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but you'd like want to. If
1: I was him, I'd just want to go to, you know, something opposite looking, at least you'd think. Short brunette, right? You know, other race, Well, Don't, don't they yeah, even like, say,
2: you know. like, when you have an affair, it, it's typically a girl that's not as good looking?
0: I mean, isn't that just. Isn't I that, like well, I that like a known thing? Like, maybe. Maybe it's like, uh, I mean, because he could have done whatever he wanted, but this girl obviously was just easy. It was the nanny. They had interaction. Maybe she laughed at his jokes more than yeah, Gwen. Yeah. Maybe she made him feel more manly than yeah. Gwen and all that stuff. But it's just, it is interesting. Like, it isn't really about beauty or like you were lured because this one opportunity to sleep with a model. It's just, oh, somebody made you feel kind of good. Yep. And I just think that that there's is a, like there's a the lot lure of people that, that would
1: say that, that you're just built that way. And it's just anything is good as long as it's other than the thing you have and you know and and that but think about that way that's kind of true about everything to a degree so it's not that surprising that it would apply sexually right like if you have one thing the grass is always greener for instance and now sexuality is one of the most charged things we have so not only does it apply there it might apply even more strongly well it's even
2: biblical i mean beauty is fleeting that's in proverbs
0: pastor joey says it's biblical to cheat Thank you, Pastor Joy. We've all been waiting for that. <laughs> Is he gone? Yeah, he just dropped off. Hang hey, can we soon. keep going? I just, I mean, yeah, you I, can keep going. It's the greatest thing when he's not on. Yeah,
1: his, he dropped <laughs> off the call, so just keep on going. It'll be great.
0: Damn it! Oh, he's back. Shit! All right, Joey's back.
1: It's, let's do another you were gone. story.
0: I thought you were gone
1: for good. I can mute him if it makes for a better show. It would be. It would make me if, happy. Okay, I'm if mute you mute, go, go ahead, right, Toby. If you <laughs> mute me. You Joe. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> let me know when you're laughing I'll just turn the slider up but when you're talking I'll keep you muted
0: All right, this one was interesting and tough Uh, this comes from roving reporter Chris Conley who's that I don't
1: like ending with sad shit on the show where somebody dies
0: I don't know this is sad I don't know why you got that impression at least the way you breathed after you said (sighs) meet the porn star giving veterans blowjobs to thank them for their service Ah. is that sad
1: it's, I think so. I think so. This Veterans Day, Florida's legendary I mean, hear it s- it out.
0: Sausage Castle is thanking our former servicemen with what they really want: sex. You can pat them on the back and say thank you for your service and stuff, or you can get them drunk and give them a blowjob, says Mike Busey, the founder of the Sausage Castle. Good Lord. In Orlando. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave, Dave, Hart Trummer's laughing in the background because I said Sausage Castle. It just lit him up. <laughs> they just want to forget about the shit they had to do over there. The 51st most famous person in Orlando is honoring our veterans with a dinner, drinks, and grand finale. I'm not going to say that. He respects veteran service, and basically it's just this guy that's opened this up, and I guess it's – this sounds terrible. What is our source here? We're we're assuming this is true. The channels. I think it is true. I saw it on a few different spots. Um, The girl is a porn star named Jenny Jizz. Uh. And she's going to be doing that. So, basically, he thinks it's kind of publicity and stuff. but he, It's definitely publicity. He's doing that, and they've been and, and, kind and of crazy. you know, they, they wanted to thank you for the publicity you just gave him. Right. Them. I just gave him even more. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. And I just want to ask you all straight so, up. You know
1: what kind of news outlets we need? What? We need to get coverage from stuff like News with Toby. The damn, the damn news would be good. That's their publicity. They had a meeting. They're like, we
0: yeah, could they probably they get picked up here. by
1: the damn news. <laughs> Hopefully some TMZ, maybe BuzzFeed.
0: The lady says, it's just fun. When it comes to this, I'm so excited. She says, she has discretion to turn anyone down who is too hairy or smelly, but is looking forward to the pro bono work. I think it'll give the veteran stress relief and a new sex drive. This just sounds, the more I read this story, like I just, it is, maybe it is really sad reading it out loud. Like I I skimmed through it and I was like, okay, I'll do this. And roving reporter sent it, but this is, bad but do you all think for, this helps who's it our bad veterans? for who's it bad does for does this help our veterans who's it bad for might be my question both for everybody the yep. veterans and her mm-hmm. for sure i mean that's just it's just getting used but I, in americas people want to do this right. they're free to do whatever they want uh-huh. but it it can't be good it can't be something where at the end you're like man that was awesome I have tons of semen all over me, or something, or you know, <laughs> inside of me, or whatever. But like, that just sounds just awful. It does. I agree. It's just like I don't know.
2: That is it, sad.
0: Joey, what's your, what's your pastor's take on this?
2: Well, well don't my pastor my pastor's take and my like, person think, take is so, the same thing. Well, I'm just friend. questioning. Do you think I don't your, have a pastor like, hat cast, and a regular hat? I have a hat. Yeah, you do. No, you definitely right. do.
0: But um, You have one hat. Yeah, you have one hat, and it's pastor. Um, and so, but my question is, it sounds like you're kind of negative on this. You think we shouldn't celebrate our veterans.
1: Yeah, why don't you like the veterans, Joey? So,
0: what's, what's your answer, sir? Why do you want to, like, take stuff away from our veterans? If they've had it rough enough. Send, go send them blow pops, not blow jobs. Blow pops are fun. Maybe yep.
2: they need jobs. You want to take away their jobs, too? <laughs> <laughs> it is sad, man, because I just think that, I don't know, sex is just is so good, and it's so appealing, and it's so tempting, and yet that's just, like you said, that's very destructive to that girl, and then those dudes, I'm sure a lot of them are married, and that's not helping their marriage as much or anything, but here's the thing, I mean, when Paul says, hey, if there's no resurrection, eat and drink and be merry— I mean, same thing with blowjobs. If there's no resurrection, eat, drink, blowjobs, whatever you want to do. But, I, you know, given that the three of us believe that sin is a real thing, I think that's why that's kind of burdensome to our hearts.
0: Boring. The answer is it's hard on them all. <laughs> all right. Here's the last thing I want to say. Some people think that reading these stories is gross and terrible. And Why do we do this? Because it's just real. And you just want <laughs> like like they they most can't you? of these stories are pretty uh outliers of, <laughs> of things that are happening in the world. I don't know about reels. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying this is like where people go and the idea like, okay, you might be right, but how many veterans signed up for this and did it? I'm, I'm, how many oh, yeah, people yeah. would? Yeah. How many how many people in the world would accept a free blowjob right now for their service at their job? Yeah. Or whatever. All I'm saying is, like I, I wanna say stuff like this because I, I just don't think Things should be off limits to talk about just because it's icky. Or yeah, it's real. So,
2: How's my game? Is my gain okay?
0: It, Joe, How is my gain? <laughs> I
2: just adjusted it a little bit, and I just want to make sure that it's okay.
1: I think you've nailed it. You've
0: got you are, it now. Is are, my gain okay? No one's better at technology <laughs> than you, friend. Hey, piece
2: of shit, is my gain okay?
0: <laughs> no. Hey, could you turn it up a little bit? You're just a little bit. Oh, slow, my white. bad.
2: Okay, is it better?
1: How long till you're back in Charleston? So you guys are
2: serious? My gain is okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com.